0: Previously on Gresh and Fourier.
1: As soon as I released President Bush, okay, as soon as I took my three pictures, (laughs) as soon as I let him go, as soon as I let him go, it was funny because people were not happy with me.
0: This is Gresh and Fourier. Last
2: chance here, Poole lets it fly, and that's it. Wow, what a game. Austin with a flurry late in the fourth, carried it over to the overtime. And they win it 121-118. Andy Gresh.
1: New York, New York, the
2: Bruins sweep 3-1 the
0: final. Well, if you get a chance to watch these Bruins play the last two nights, you knew they were a good team. The statistics tell you just how good they are in every category across the board. But what jumps out at you the last two nights? They got the best goaltending tandem in the league. Christian
1: Fourier. Uh, You're going to need games like this, right? You know, it's going to be a handful of playoff games where you don't necessarily shoot the ball well, maybe even on the road, right? Uh, You know, 140%, 73% from the free throw line. 17 turnovers and still still find a way to win right Um, so I think that just shows the the depth of our team that on a below average night uh, for us we can still find a way to to win and you know that's all that matters at the end of the night did you win or did you lose Gresh and Fourier right now
2: I think the Patriots are right now where the Dolphins were with Tua Tungvaloa last year where they really didn't have answers on who they have as a quarterback to the point where they're ready to make a decision on potentially a $30 million, 50-year option
1: or extending the guy.
2: And so now, in his third offseason, they've got to do things to try to put pieces around him where they can get clarity on the quarterback. One way to do that
1: is to go with the safest guy, the safest pick as your offensive coordinator, and that's very clearly going
0: on W-E-E-I.
1: All right, baby, here we go. It's a big Friday. We got some football playoffs
2: to sink our teeth into. The Bruins get it done last night down in uh, New York against the Rangers and Foyer, boy, oh, boy. Did uh, did the Celtics have a night at the Garden? And, yes, the Celtics had to grind to beat the Warriors last night, 121-118 in overtime. But that is where we start because it felt like, Fourier, the <laughs> eyes of the NBA world were on Boston last
1: night. Yes, it did. And it will always be like that, especially when you're playing against a proud team with a storied history. That's what they tell me about Golden State. They're a storied franchise. When you play against a team like that, that is struggling, and they haven't beaten a a team on the road with a decent record. Any team over 500 saw that stat like a 1,000 times, and then you know why. So you see why. So they play one of their best games. They come out fighting. They come out playing good defense, and then you kind of just stumble around, kick the ball out of bounds, turn it over. I mean, you really kind of – I felt like they were trying to give it away. It's like they didn't really want it, but then they did want it, and then they said, "Well, now we're actually kind of close. Now let's take it." So they get into overtime, and they literally take it away from them, and then you just it removes all doubt. But that was not a great game. That was uh, not a good no. game.
2: I, I I thought that uh, both teams really threw three quarters. There were ebbs and flows to the game, but it felt like it was one of those, all right, five minutes to go, fourth quarter, everybody is going to start to settle in and start to play maybe playoff-level basketball, even first-round-level playoff basketball. I thought the intensity at times, it was very up and down for a period of time. Steph Curry, of course, hits that half-court shot going into the half, and you're like, oh, of course he didn't. It's off a steal and everything. But really, to me, the final five minutes of the fourth quarter, and then overtime. The crowd woke up, the players woke up, and it was clunky for Jason Tatum last night. Absolutely. Well,
1: and uh, <clears throat> and Jalen Brown. Well, Jalen Brown was was like, I mean, he Jalen Brown gets into this mode where it's like, I just gonna force the issue. And I thought it was interesting that during, like, the Mike Don segments of that game, you heard Draymond Green talking about forcing Jalen Brown to to use his left hand. Like, the same issues that they had last year were the same issues that they had in this game. Well, the problem is
2: the same issues still exist for Golden State, and why Jalen Brown was productive in the fourth quarter is because Klay Thompson was guarding him. And they can talk about make Jalen Brown go to his left all they want. If, if Thompson is guarding Brown... He can't handle Jalen Brown. And to your point last night in terms of Jalen, who, by the way, it sounded like after the game, it was "Eh, the team didn't really want me to play, but I was playing in this one. And we'll get to some comments from Al Horford as well. But Jalen Brown last night, 41 minutes coming off that injury, 6 of 18 from the field, 16 points but it was really the fourth-quarter matchup against Thompson that they tried to take advantage of, and that's when you started to hear the whole, hey, make him go left. Clay Thompson can't stop anybody, and fouled out on top of it. So even though Jalen didn't have the most productive night, he was able to get one of those smaller guys out of there, which I think helped the Celtics in, in OT. But to your overall point, there was extra emphasis on last night's game, and afterwards, Al Horford, who played great, by the way. Uh, Here is Al talking about the want-to of last night for not only him, but his teammates.
1: My biggest thing is, yeah, it's a big game. You know, I wanted to come out here and I wanted to win. I wanted to win really bad. Um, So, absolutely. Um, uh, It's a regular season game. It's just one game. It's over, but it's an important game. I like that. I like it. Because I felt like I've heard differences post-game. There was the Jason Tatum angle where it's like he's not even admitting that it was a big game. He's just treating it like it's just another game. And Al is, like, right up in your face saying, no, man, I wanted this bad. Yeah. I wanted to win this game bad. I gave you 20 points. I gave you 10 rebounds. I gave you three blocks. 37 and minutes yeah, is I to played me a the big
2: number for a guy like Al who's normally out on the back end, to back-to-backs, 37 minutes is a haul for him. Yeah,
1: he felt like the Energizer Bunny in that game, just making, you know, uh, you know, getting those blocks the way he got them, not giving up on the play, chasing the ball down. I mean... They still ended up getting points on some of those blocks because they just kept fumbling the ball left and right. That's That was a concern to me, just how sloppy they were. Because the one thing I remember from last year's series mm-hmm. was just the turnovers. That, to me, stood out. Because they, I felt like they should have pulled away earlier in the second quarter. I felt like they should have pulled away. But they gave too many second-chance opportunities. They gave them life. They let the Warriors believe that they can win this game. And a team like that if you give them extra opportunities, eventually they will they will make you pay for it. And I thought that they did. So, And then even in the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, finally you start hitting some shots, and then they can't make a shot. Right. They can't make a shot, so they just give it. Because even if they hit a couple of those three-pointers, which normally would have – they normally fall for them, the game's out of reach. They don't come back and tie it up. But sure as hell, they did. They left the window open. Good teams take advantage of it also – the, the the Celtics are a better team. They mm-hmm. flat out they're a better team, and they just uh, you know when they needed to make the you know take over the game and overtime they did. Well, fo yeah, there were a couple things that jumped out last night. Number one,
2: there are going to be a lot of people that are going to react to Jason Tatum's rebounding numbers. He had 19 last night. Did not have a great shooting night. It was not the performance that I was expecting for a guy that I thought on the national stage would really be able to shine and say, here's my MVP case. Because what was it? Four of, or no, nine of 27 from the field, four of 13 from three. But he did a couple different things that maybe helps the case. The rebounds, obviously. But when you also look at the construct of what was on the floor, Jason Tatum was one of the biggest guys out there most of the time. And... It was Malcolm Brogdon and the matchup. And I'll be the first one to admit, first time around, hey, maybe I missed it. You know, they were out on the West Coast, whatever. But when you see on the floor that smaller lineup for Golden State, paul Thompson, Curry, Wiggins, and then Draymond, and the Celtics now can answer that with Brown, Smart, Tatum, Brogdon, your guy, and then whichever of Time Lord or Al you want to put on the floor – when I thought about Malcolm Brogdon when they first got him, to me it was great bench scoring, long-term, it's going to help you. I'm now starting to think more and more of the Malcolm Brogdon move was, yeah, that, that's one of the benefits of having a guy like that off the bench. But in reality, that was a championship move because if these two teams play each other in June – Brogdon's going to be out there with those normal three
1: guys, yep. not some
2: guy coming off look the at, bench. Look to overtime, and, and he's
1: on there when it matters. And
2: it created the matchup. Thompson-Brown. Brown was able to take advantage. They got Thompson out of there. Ultimately, I think that leads to you winning. And that was st- – like, the use of Brogdon last night, I love, love, love seeing him out there with the Jays and Marcus Smart. He, I love He
1: it. didn't have – what did he end up with? I, I think 16 points. He only
2: scored – yeah, you're right. It was – And uh, he was, didn't have a great night four, shooting.
1: 14. Yeah, it was 14 points. But, listen, he – more than anyone, sometimes his play doesn't get enough credit because he's always kind of creating opportunities or he's impacting the game in subtle ways that may or may not show up, uh, you know, in the overall like stat sheet. But he is constantly involved. I'll put it that way. He's constantly involved mm-hmm. and he's always around the ball. And good things happen when you get around the ball. Physical. Yeah. And, and I love that about him. And the other thing, just real quick, because you mentioned it to me, and I, I, I think it's a stat that is a little misleading. Because when you say, oh, oh my God, uh, you know, Jason Tatum had 19 rebounds. Okay, he had two offensive rebounds and 17 defensive rebounds. I don't know if, like, those should even count because long shots, a lot of threes, and there's no, you know, nobody's contesting the shot. And the ball just kind of, he just kind of, he wants the ball. So he Mm -hmm. grabs it and he gets credit for it. It's not like he's fighting anybody. Um, uh, What is it? Uh, Time Lord with seven offensive rebounds was an obvious disadvantage for Golden State. Like, they just don't have a guy that can go in there and do that. They're just too small. Well, if they do,
2: it's Kevon Looney. It's Looney. Who's a big guy that then you can attack and try to take advantage of. That's where the whole Time Lord having Al, you put Al out there, Looney, it, Looney's looney got to go guard him at the three-point line. Can't do it. And that's the thing, right? So, yeah, if you're the Celtics, you're starting to see how they kind of can match up in different ways against Golden State. And uh, good morning to the Twitchers. The chat is very active. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEI. Gordon 7 said, Gresh Curry shot 9 of 25. Nobody shot well. Quit crying. It's not about the crying. It's about Jason Tatum is kind of a made man. And the reason I thought last night was massive for Tatum was because it's a big-time matchup. The nation would be watching, and it's in the rematch mode where there is the expectation of the superstar players. But the difference, Crack Gordon, is that Curry's a made man. Jason Tatum is not a made man yet. Nine of 25 for Curry in terms of, say, an MVP race doesn't hurt him. For Jason Tatum, there's a lot of people that are going to wake up across the country this morning and be like, Wow. He had 19 rebounds, and then you look and see who played, and it was against a smaller lineup, and he didn't shoot well. That's the reason why we mentioned this. Now, I get where Crack Gordon is saying is that nobody shot the ball great last night, but the superstars are going to be judged a little differently, and that's why I think it's a big and deal that's to why bring it up. Well, yeah, and that you're exactly right. There is a, there's a level of almost unfair expectation, but I just don't think it sticks to Curry because, again, made man, MVPs, multiple championships, Tatum's trying to get to that point. That's why, to me, it felt like it was it was bigger for Tatum and the Seas last night. We do not want to ignore the Boston Bruins, who just keep winning. Last night, 3-1 over the Rangers. Zuckerberg and Clifton all score. We find out that Pasta, Linus, and uh, obviously the coach, Monty, all All-Stars. They're all going to be a part of NHL All-Star Weekend. But it's amazing. The Bruins find a way to keep winning. It was with Swayman and Nett last night, Fourier. 31. And Jim Montgomery, after the game on Nesson, talked about his defense and goaltending.
0: Yeah, I mean, our, our defensemen, uh, especially, you know, after uh, Brando went down, you know, the five of them played really well. And, uh, of course, our two goaltenders were outstanding. They were our best players both nights. It's, it's such a luxury what we have back there, you know. Uh, to be able to have two number ones is, uh, is something most teams would just love to have one.
1: Mm,
2: he's I, right. He is very much so. Lucky to have Swayman. I know that uh after the game down in New York, the Panarin line was really getting criticized. Uh you know, their coach thought they could have potted a few, but Swayman played great. The defense down a man, they rotated mm-hmm. five guys. I mean, this was I <laughs> It's funny. Mego's got a story up at weei.com on the signature win for statement the win for the statement Celtics. You could argue, in a different kind of way, these two were kind of statement wins for the Bruins. Back-to-back, goaltenders, you switched it. Berge got dinged up. He had found a way to get his ass out mm-hmm. there last night. I thought the Bruins might have made even a little bit of a bigger statement than the Celtics the last two nights. Really? Yeah. Okay,
1: I just look at it as... Uh, Plus, you know, everybody
2: he, knows they're great, and the pressure's mounting on I, them. I That's look at Lina's that,
1: there's said. so many... This We're running out of like angles for this Bruins team, but I when I was just watching that going... Wow, if you're any team that is playing against the Bruins and they score so quickly in the first period, mm-hmm. you're already on your heels. You're already like, okay, man, they they got a killer instinct in the third. If they get a lead, what does that mean for us? And then their goalie ends up denying every last freaking shot you take until the third one, until the third period. You just don't have a shot. It becomes almost like a, a mental, you know, you know, test for opponents playing against the Bruins. They just have so many different ways to beat you, and even if they're down, they can come back, and God forbid they get a lead on you, they're just going to leave you in the dust. So they're just – and he's right. What a luxury. One guy gets hurt. One guy doesn't feel like playing. One guy is gassed like Olmark was when he talked about the other day. You give him a a mental break, and you you don't suffer because of it. And
2: there's really not a ton of drop-off. Now, look, Linus is playing Vezina winning hockey this year. Swayman has been sneaky good, and I think it's great – that the team has become the bigger story and that it isn't the, wow, everybody's staring at Swayman to see if he's really developing. It's It's been good that kind of, you know, the Swayman has sort of been off the radar this year, and there was more made about Patrice Bergeron coming back in the game against the Islanders and then playing last night against the Rangers than there has been switch of goalies, things like that. So much to unpack and get into. 617-779-7937. Bill O'Brien is officially interviewed. Mm -hmm. Officially. For the uh, Patriots offensive coordinator job. But we do have to start to ask some different questions connected to that. Uh, We also have a, um, well, potential fart incident during an NHL game last night that made it on not one, not two, not three, but four separate broadcasts. What a fart to get on four separate broadcasts. Uh, We'll obviously go through the playoff games as well. we got a lunchtime parlay for you. Celtics, maybe getting an all-star game. We'll unpack that at 12 o'clock and another edition of What You Want to Hear. No matter where
0: you work from these days, take Gresh and Fourier with you on the Odyssey app. Favorite WEI.
3: Ooh, baby, do you know They say in heaven, love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on
1: earth. Oh, heaven is a
3: place
1: on earth. Oh, I see the snow coming down, Gresh. The Gresh is, the Gresh, the snow is coming down.
2: Yeah. I think
1: we'll make it home.
2: Oh, we'll be fine. We got us big old trucks and SUVs. Drive.
1: I don't need a big-ass truck. I just need four-wheel drive. Even if I have a little Kia, I don't care. As long as all four wheels are moving at the same time, I think I'll never be stuck in anyway.
2: it. Well, that is the essence of most vehicles, is that all four wheels well, are well, turning at the same time. Well,
1: that technically is true, but you, you understand what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I do, a I A strict do. four-wheel drive vehicle in like a little small little sedan.
2: Again, if you ever get stuck... Pick one of your seven to come get you. Oh, please. Nobody's
1: coming to <laughs> save my ass. You're going to be the one I call first. I see your truck out there. Oh, oh the dude, don't call I me. No, but my first, guy. you have the worst car possible. You might as well have a boat and a truck. Any guy with a truck, the worst thing about having a truck is everybody wants to borrow your truck. Oh, hey, no. Hey, I have some things no, to haul. No, hey, no. I got
2: some things to move. Can I borrow your truck? The first step to having your truck borrowed <laughs> is people in your life that would ask you,
1: so they I know don't better? have that. Oh, they, they know, know better? better. Okay. I was saying there yeah. may be a, a small
2: handful of people that I would be like, sure. I'll bring my truck on a Saturday and you can come load it up with a bunch of crap.
1: Yeah. Very small it all group. up. Screw it all up. Oh, dude,
2: listen, I own that thing. So like whenever it comes down to showdowns out at the, uh, uh, I stoplight. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Good. You want to <laughs> hit right it? it? You want to take your $85,000 BMW because you're trying to wedge your way in against my Ford F-150 that I'll drive around with a dent couldn't care less again where'd i grow up my pap had a freaking busted down pickup truck in his front yard for 10 years I think I a dent. I got a big white <laughs> scrape on it from uh going to one of our uh remotes uh, where we're in the world's smallest garage and I dinged it up there. Nah, whatever. The world's I,
1: smallest garage.
2: I, it was pretty close. I got to say I almost hit my head walking oh, in the damn thing. Oh yeah,
1: this was low uh the height level. The boss
2: man Laird just laughed cuz he knows what I'm talking about because it's the same thing. Like oh, Ken's okay. not a short guy. He hits okay. his head walking in there too. That's right. You would, too. We got a bunch of folks on the line who want okay. in. All right. Football. Let them ho- in. Let How about him in. Oh, this? Release the hounds. Football, hockey, and Celtics. How wow. about that? Okay. 617-779-7937. Uh, we'll unpack our thoughts on the Sean <laughs> Jefferson interview today. Uh, let's go to Mike in Framingham. First up, Aggression Foyer on a snowy Friday. Hi, Mike. I See,
3: that's why I don't like the Rooney Rule, just the way you said that about the Sean Jefferson, because – Look at the guy like Sean McVay who was supposed to revolutionize football. Where is he now? You know, he's ready to quit.
1: He won a and Super Bowl. Kingsbury. He won a Super Bowl. No, he, I, he,
3: no, I understand that. Now he's ready to quit. Now if, if people are ready to get rid of him, too, over there in L.A. Well,
1: and he's not. No, they're they're keeping their GM, and he's staying.
2: Well, here's the thing, Mike, about the Rooney Rule. It's, it's really up to the interpretation of the person running the organization or the interviewer. If Bill Belichick wanted to conduct interviews with established offensive coordinators and he doesn't know who he's going to hire, he could then do so. I don't think the rule is necessarily flawed, but I do think that the rule, you can't really close the loophole if you have someone like Bill Belichick, who, as we talked about yesterday, even though it looks like it is the skids are greased for Bill O'Brien, he's still complying to the letter of the rule the way it's written we just know that he is really doing solids for guys who would never get an offensive coordinator interview
1: yeah none of these guys um now i don't know if it's like hey i owe you a solid cuz everybody i guess technically is working to get that hey listen i was interviewed before like the more interviews you get like the better like your resume looks like the next year so hey listen people are talking about me you know, there's these hiring firms that do it. Anyways, it's like I don't even mean, you know if even coaches and GMs actually do it themselves. Why Most are of them, we not doing they, that? What they a have a hiring scam firm. That is. They have a hiring firm. A lot of this happens a lot. You pay this hiring firm. They tell you who a good candidate is for you, right? Isn't that crazy? That I feel like that is really insane. Colleges do it all the time. Oh yeah. Um, athletic directors do it all the time. They don't have the ability to identify who the best candidate is, so they hire. A hiring firm, a search firm. Sorry, search firm. No, that's right. search and then, firm, hiring firm. There they go. And sure enough, they sit out there just like LinkedIn or any of these other places. They, they go ahead and they find the right candidate. And they say, this guy's up and coming. And you know what?
2: In college, it feels more prevalent because in the NFL, you can't control it a little bit. And the rules are are different, obviously, with the Rooney rule. And obviously, it's owners of teams. But like, and and I'm not saying this because it's you, but who would have matched Deion Sanders with Colorado, Who back in the day would have matched Joe Moorhead with Mississippi State? A guy who's like knows Jersey and Pennsylvania. And then he goes to Mississippi State, you know. But then the next time around, they find out that Mike Leach is willing to leave because Mississippi State will dangle six million bucks. God rest his soul. And then that guy, and well, by the way, that's another one, I guess. Who would have thought Mike Leach would have gone to Washington State? It's the... Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, this guy can coach, and if you got this amount of money, he would be interested in. Oh, oh, the background check? Yeah, it was fine. Where's our check for helping you do this? It's
1: it's a mad world out there. Yeah. So so now that the interview for Bill O'Brien has officially happened, yes, officially happened. What do you think that that interview looks like? Like what do you what do you, like? How does is it? It's probably real informal, right? It can't be how much. Oh, they oh, Right, it's really, you know, because I would just say, listen, I don't want to flirt. I don't want to date. right? I just want to, like, listen, this this is a transaction. How much do you need for you to, what is the number? Just put it on a piece of paper, slide it across my desk.
2: I would say Bill O'Brien might ask, how much total control do I have over the offense? Basically, am I just answering to Bill, or is the uh, officious intermeddler, Matt Patricia, sitting up top, And he's going to be one of the guys that's in your ear telling you stuff about me
1: instead of you telling me stuff about me. Actually, I think that's actually the most important question. That's the most important discussion that needs to happen. I think the money part is probably easy. Just write a number down. The answer is yes. Right. Okay. Now that we get that out of the way. Money's not an issue. Now they're like, how was the relationship really going to go? To your point, um, are you going to meddle? Is this my offense? I mean, I know, of course, we're going to work in conjunction, right? Like, I was a head coach also. I know that the head coach really determines everything. But how much freedom, like, what's important to you? What do you want me to do? Because I just feel like that, now that Bill O'Brien has left and been a head coach at, at Penn State and has been a head coach at Houston for a long period of time and has been an offensive coordinator at Alabama, I really feel like we're both adults, right? Like this is just let's not make this harder than it needs to be. Do I have just, to take Joe Judge or not? Can yeah. you just tell me, Bill? Can I bring or my are you own guys in, him,
2: or I'll coach the quarterback. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. How,
1: who do who I who do I have to keep? Right. Um, and I'm curious, like if I'm an offensive coordinator, if I'm bringing in a whole new system, I really want to bring my own guys in. But that's the thing. How I don't much know of I wanna... that is
2: really a whole new system? Well, or by, it's just well, having someone who can organize it and call
1: plays better. Because I always thought it was interesting. If you inherit coaches, then you literally have to teach them the offense, and they don't really have any anything to to you know to lean on as far as experience other than tape. So they look at tape, they Maybe. look at this, and and then no, I'm not saying that they can't do no, it. No, but I'm tr- just saying it is interesting. I want my I want my O line coach. If to your point is
2: that a lot of the core stuff in the Patriots' offense hasn't really changed over the years then I would think Troy Brown would be pretty easy to retain. Troy, just flip a little bit of the verbiage. You're a wide receiver coach. Hell, you played in the offense. I called plays for you, for God's sakes. But to me, like someone like Troy would be able to adapt. The running backs coach, who I couldn't pick out of a lineup? Doesn't matter. Maybe that one would be a little different. It would right. be easy.
1: Take the ball. Tell your backs to run hard and not to fumble. <laughs> Isn't that really the coaching point? Every now and then you're going to have blitz pickup. Just yeah. don't whiff on the guy.
2: Catch it, protect it. Don't fumble it. it. There we go. Easiest that, job in hard. the NFL. There you
1: Easiest go. Do- don't cough it up. Make sure you don't you know uh, you know uh, trip over your own shoelaces. But um, but think about it, the other qu- question I had is like so when Bill O'Brien was here, so he's working with the, re- with the receivers and then he's the offensive coordinator. Then he goes to Penn State and he's running that offense. I'm just curious, like. You know what offense does he belong to? Does and I feel like it has to be the Patriots. So then he goes to Penn State, and then when he goes to Houston, does he take that offense? Also, does he take the 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 you know the foundation, the guts, and all the important parts? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of you know every offense court ends up you know adapting, they marry, to marry marry some yeah. stuff together.
2: I'm sure there's some I'm curious about that, what family
1: what family would he belong to? I still
2: think it is you know however you want to go back and do the lineage of the Patriots offense, right? Is it all the way back to Ron Earhart, really? And then that's the offense that has been updated and adapted for some of the zone runs and the quick screens and bubble screens and stuff like that. I think really what it comes down to is, is it teachable to everybody else? From a line standpoint, can you get those guys on board? But more importantly, is the quarterback comfortable with it? Because at times, yeah, Mac Jones was pressured, but there were times with no pressure Dudes are running into each other. The spacing was bad. That to me is more important is, is Mac comfortable with it? Because you know this, if need be, the quarterback can also be the guy where if the tight end's blanking, he can just say whatever he, the tight end needs to hear to recognize the play that to me is also added value of a great quarterback that if guys start to lose their mind a little bit, they understand the
1: offense so well and they're comfortable enough with it to tell someone what their assignment might be. Yeah. I will go I will go as far as to say that this offense, once Bill O'Brien is officially hired, will be better with Bill O'Brien than it was with Josh McDaniels. What? I will say that. I will say that right now because you're just and, and I will start with the whole fact that that the like, you're so, you so want to prove people wrong. You're so, like, you know, willing to learn and to show that last year was, like, just a terrible experience. I do think you're, you, and then Mac is older, he's smarter. And a lot of the weapons that you have, I think, are, for the most part, are still going to be on the team. Uh, minus a couple guys that I think they may get rid of. like Aguilar
2: might go. I think
1: that he definitely is gone. I don't think you fix him under any situation. But does
2: Bill O'Brien look at Devontae Parker and say, all right, I know how to call plays to get the same kind of production out of him like I got from like a Brandon LaFell or someone like that. Yeah,
1: I think that this offense will be so, so much better. So much better. Everything's going to be better. I, it, I almost feel like they should throw like a celebration. It's almost like you know New Year's. It's oh, like there should be popping champagne in that, and everyone should be
2: happy. Mac will get drunk the night that Bob
1: gets oh, tired, and be like, "Oh, man. my nightmare's over." Oh, you know what, hey, baby? You know what? We're gonna leave the lights on tonight. That's how oh. good I feel. Yeah. turn the lights on. Oh, I want to see one. everything.
2: Sylvia will be like, "Go turn them out." Oh, no, or, no, no, no! Or she'll just go. And the lights go out, and they don't have to worry about it anymore. Let's go to Paul in Abington on the Seas. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning,
0: gentlemen. Uh, I hope you can hear me. I'm in the the snow now. But anyways, a couple points about last night's game, and that's something that's really bugging the heck out of me with you, Gresh. Um, Celtics last night, if Jalen Brown plays anywhere close to the way he's played all season long, the Celts win a lot more comfortably. Let's put it that way. Um, Another thing, the Celtics – Tatum was talking about how, oh, it's a regular season game. The state's a 500-team right now. They're fighting for everything they can. That was a game more important to them than it was the Celtics. But the biggest thing I'm calling about, Gresh, with you, is you got to get off this MVP talk. I mean, Tatum, if, if he wins two or three out of the next five or six, which his time will come because the NBA always has this system that, oh, it's his turn, it's his turn, it's his turn. But if he doesn't win an NBA championship but wins two or three MVPs, it's all for naught. Jokic has won the last two. He hasn't even made it to the NBA Finals yet. And that doesn't mean squat at this point in time. you got to get off the MVP track. I don't care. Nobody cares about an MVP. Let's get the NBA championship.
2: Listen, I hear you on the championship, but I disagree. I think there are a lot of fans that are waiting for Jason Tatum to win the MVP because that truly does put you in a different kind of class in that particular league. And I'm not an NBA hater. There are those who will say, well, in that league, okay, Well, in that league, your hand gets stamped as a big-time superstar when you do get an MVP. And to your point, Jokic is 27 years old. Maybe he will end up aging out. But here's the problem. Then you got Ja Morant. You still have Luka Doncic. And yes, we would all pick, let's have three championship rings on Jason Tatum's fingers, then three MVPs. Everybody would sign up for that. But don't ignore the fact that it matters to the player. And go back to what Jason Tatum has said and why I was so hard on him last year is because he would mention Mamba mentality. I didn't see that till the second half of the season. Now the guy's different. If Jason Tatum can be the best player in the league and be an MVP candidate for five years in a row – The other stuff will take care of itself in theory. So don't go too nuts on that.
1: See, there was, um, I I was listening to uh, Van Gundy um, yesterday Mm. on my ride home, and he was asked a question. He said, okay, they asked him, um, who do you think, as of right now, who is the MVP and who is the best basketball player in the world? So it was like, uh, okay. could they be? Are they mutually exclusive? Yeah, and and, and so his answer was uh, that Jokic was the MVP, and he probably should win it, but he doesn't think he will because he doesn't think people want to give it to him three years in a row, even though he's earned it and his numbers prove it. And then he says Doncic was the best player in the world. Interesting. And I was like, huh. I, I was going to say like if you're in the if you win the NBA MVP and you know like you should have both titles, not just one. So I thought it was in, an interesting. Just contrast of how he views it, how he thinks Doncic is actually the best player in the world, but Jokic, with all his stats and his numbers, should get the MVP.
2: Yeah, I the the problem with Jokic is he's a true unicorn. For as much as people will look at Jason Tatum and be like, God dang, that guy's almost 6'10", and look at what he can do. Jokic is a different kind of unicorn when it comes to these awards. And look, for for a guy like Jason Tatum, if you want him to be fulfilled, That is a part of it. Tatum now puts the championship first, but the MVP is a part of that, and he's earned it. He has earned us, or he has earned the right for us to be like, hey, that guy could still win the MVP, and it's going to become a crusade if they win a championship first, and he hasn't won one. Quickly, let's get some Bruins in. Mark and Medford. Good morning, Mark.
3: Good morning, guys. I got three things, and then I'll hang up and listen to you. First thing... Now the Bees have two goalies that are not letting any pucks in the net, okay? Uh, two, uh, Patrice Bergeron, they showed him in the penalty box last night. He's only been through 44 games. He's looked like he's been through 88 already. That guy's nose is all over his face, okay? And this team, the way they're playing right now, they will skate through a wall for this guy. But the third thing I want to get on is Mike Milbury yesterday said, that if the Bruins want to make a deal with Vancouver for Bo Horvat, the Bruins will have to cut into their lineup in order to get it. Well, the reports I've been reading lately is that it looks like Vancouver wants Fabian LaSalle, John Beecher, and draft picks. They have not mentioned anything else as far as the current Bruins roster. My question, guys, would you make that deal? Uh, Horvat's 27 years old, and he's about two points away from surpassing his, his totals from last year.
2: Uh, I wouldn't and quickly on Bergeron what impresses me the most is that not only is the guy the captain he's not making any money and he still wants to go out there after taking a slap shot off of his face he even talked about hey I had the conversations with the team and If they wanted to pull me out, it is their right. But if I can play, I'm going to tell them I'm playing. And a lot of times, they're going to put that guy back in the lineup. Normally, Trent Brown, whenever you get a little unhappy or you're not making a ton of money, Trent Brown, sometimes (laughs) your effort is a little inconsistent, and that isn't the case with Bergeron. But right now, no. Um, And again, the Bruins have so much to do to bring in somebody that's got a big salary You'd better make sure if you're Don Sweeney that it is uh, completely worth it. Uh, We are going to get to the defensive side of the ball for the Patriots in this offseason coming up at 11 o'clock. But up next, uh, as it was pointed out by a twitcher two nights ago, there was some possible audible flatulence Mm. in the broadcasts of Mm. the Vancouver Canucks and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not going to go full-blown fart gate. But what in the world happened? We'll give you the audible evidence next.
0: WEI. New England Sports Original. This is Crash and Forty on WEEI.
3: Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app.
1: No, there is a there is a children's book about that. Is it like <laughs> that a that was a, wet, no, that was a little that much. was that, that was, was a next that was another level. Um, it's like uh, it's everybody Stewie, farts. You it's ever like,
2: heard? well Stewie and Family Guy they did the the whole thing around the book. Everybody poops.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Everybody poops. Yeah. There you go. And everybody farts too. I feel like there's a knockoff version called Everybody Farts.
2: Is that your? Uh, is that the uh, latest like... latest release from? Uh, no, I, I maybe I should. Fourier poops
1: is the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I Billy was...
2: was talking to somebody. He yeah. didn't know that we mentioned that. But uh, okay. Is that the latest from the Fourier collection?
1: I feel like I should add it. So that would be a third book that I'm constantly currently working on. The first one would be you know why your kid sucks. Okay, that's a, that's a one level. Um, You're nothing but a dirty liar. As another one, that's all around recruiting, uh, and then this one would be um, everybody farts. Now, or can you guess the fart? No. Well, here's the thing is that if
2: if we don't get... Because there's a question that I want to ask you <laughs> going into the locker room. However, we got to get this out there before right. I ask you because it'll ruin the whole thing. Okay. I know it. Because as soon as I ask you a question, you're going to... Okay. You're right. You're going to lose your mind. I know. Because I know you're going to have a hard time whittling it down to just one person. <laughs> However. Okay. Uh, so, two nights ago, Canucks playing the Lightning. Now... Rare is it that an audible noise makes it across two separate television broadcasts and two separate radio broadcasts. So we don't have the radio audio, but we do have the uh, we do have the TV audio, and it was even funny the difference between the way it sounded on the Canucks broadcast versus the Lightning broadcast.
1: Now a neat play by Cole to get the puck to Calne and he backhands it down the ice. Is that you? No. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> uh...
2: That is fantastic on uh the one of the play by
1: play guys just be like, oh, is that you? Oh. I like the fact that you're you're willing you can't just have a noise like that and just act like nothing happened. People are listening. They obviously are curious to know what was that a real fart? Was it somebody's foot? Was it like a frog that just somebody stepped on? Admit it, talk about it, own it. Right. It's just hey, well, listen, you know, what do you mean? Everybody poops. And, and if everybody farts. And
2: if you're the play by play guy, you can't ignore that. And no, putting the color analyst, <laughs> putting the color analyst in a tricky spot yeah. is also good too. So here was the competing broadcast. And the way they handled the noise. Here's Killorn onto the backhand, and he does not miss as he lifts that one (laughs) down the ice.
1: (laughs) Just kept going. That's it. They just just ran through that stop sign. Acted like it was no big deal. No, they're more professional than I am. I absolutely would have been like, hey, woo, woo.
2: Do you smell that? Or would you have done the, (laughs) wouldn't me? You You don't want any of that on you, no pun intended.
1: No, I always own it. And, it, and I'm pretty obvious when I actually do it. Like, I'd lift the whole leg up and all that stuff.
2: Oh, you mean like for those who follow on Twitter, gresh Fourier W E E I, they would have found you
1: with this? <laughs> <laughs> that was real. Yeah, that was. So people, people thought that was edited. Though. Oh, That's no. Straight air. And there's nothing wrong with those. It's the ones that just are like the one that he was, uh, that Turp was playing in the open that are just wet and nasty. Oh, and we don't need that. We can do the bit, but when we go there, now
2: we're we're getting into Peter Griffin territory (laughs) here, for God's sakes. Uh, I'm fine with it. So, which guy did you play with
1: who was the worst? At farting? Yep. See, I thought you were going to ask me a different question. I mean, I can actually say, like, I don't know. I do not know because there's 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 the list would be really, really long. You were all a of them. Step
2: away from all being an old lineman for God's sake. All of them.
1: I will say uh, there is I can't remember the exact story or actually even what it happened, but I thought you were gonna ask me about like just pooping. <laughs> That's what no, I thought you were gonna ask no. me. Yeah. Because I actually it played with the guy who actually pooped Listen, in his pants.
2: There is an art to the fart. And for some people it is the way it sounds. Sometimes it's kinda of clear a room. Like, there are there are pro wrestlers that I've been around clear a room in five minutes because all they're doing is slamming protein powder or whatever. Well, see,
1: it was funny that if there are a couple guys that if they – you knew they were, you know, loading up on the protein with how gassy they were and how smelly their farts smell <clears throat> is worse than that. You're right, Awful. though. I don't think I can actually name anybody because I honestly think really? say everybody has had their moment and everybody is bad. It, there's not one guy that tells, "Oh no, I don't know." You know, you know, uh, you know. Jack was eating beans. Uh, I saw Jack eating beans at lunch. Look out! Here it comes. All of us, all of them collectively. But you can't help it because all the protein and this and that you're putting in your body, like everyone's going to be farting and everyone's going to be stinking up the room. How about a coach? Please, please no, tell me, it's have Charlie one. Weiss. <laughs> I know. I was never in a small room with him. He probably did. Charlie had this thing that he would do. He would gather like white stuff between his. You ever oh, seen on that? the corners, on the, the corners, yeah. like always, and I all I could do was stare the at the white l- stuff. leftover bacon bread. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh man, no, no, I don't, I don't have any really good fart stories. I'm shocked. Uh, do you? Uh,
2: well, yeah, I mean, none nobody, that nobody would not from people out? that would recognize. That's no, gonna,
1: if for someone to stand out, because I honestly would will stay, we'll say this in college and in the pros, everyone just gets a turn. Or everybody collectively at the same time. There wasn't one guy that was like, holy cow. Like, if somebody smelled on a certain day, he would be taught by somebody else the next day.
2: I think the day that I took the challenge with my other O-line mates where I ate, like, either nine or ten Whoppers whatever. Like, the next day, that was pretty bad. But otherwise, no. But that was also at the Burger King where I got stuck in the slide, which was a ton of fun. They had to, like, come... Grease you up? No, they had to deconstruct the piece that I was Stop stuck it. in. How old were so you? So I could hop out. Twenty. you were stuck oh, yeah. at the playground we were, at Burger King I'm when told you the, were
1: 20 years yeah, old? I've, I've told the story what? before
2: as an old lineman that... Crazy, crazy. We would go to the Burger King in like Wakefield when they would do like the 2 for 4 Whoppers or whatever and I think I ate like 4 of them and one of my guys it was either my man Nelson or DeWan Reeves one of the two guys I played with they were like you couldn't eat more and I'm like I bet you 50 bucks I could eat 6 more they went and bought them I made the 50 bucks we started going in the slide I got stuck they laughed and laughed and laughed and never I cannot let me believe. Forget
1: it. They had to deconstruct it. And the, some poor little I was, kid just I was, wants to go down the slide after he's eaten his dude, nuggets. And here he comes fat 20 year old Gresh mm-hmm. stuck on the damn slide. And I was not the
2: roundest one of the whole group. There were kind of bigger or rounder or whatever. Yet somehow I got wedged in there. There That's was amazing. Also, there was also a New Year's... I'm amazed by there, that. There was also another... <laughs> there was also a New Year's Eve issue huh. once with my uh, other former NFL uh, hey, co-host. Sure. Where I got stuck in his slide in the backyard, That's too which funny. led to one the pulling kids were and one pushing. That is no. too funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grease oh, it fantastic. up. Yeah, yeah, No, 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 no. When I was maximum density, there was a problem. But back then, I was probably only 315 because it was like the football off season. You know, it's like... Yeah. Oh, you got to lift weights, and you put on, you know, 10, 15 pounds, and then they lean you out in in camp or whatever. Oh, yeah, I got totally jammed up in that. Turned into a legendary story.
1: (laughs) I just can't imagine, like... Like, do the police have to come, or is it like, okay. no, 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 EMTs? No, you know what it or was? somebody just happens to have like a wrench and they're unscrewing yep, the bolts underneath the slide. Manager came out there yeah. and was like, yeah, it happens, a happens all of the time. It you know a, what? Here it is, right here. Not far,
2: not far off, and they had that ball pit, which now, please, Disgusting. no one lets their kid goes in a no. ball pit
1: anymore. Petri dish of just like, yeah, you know, yeah, flu and you know some sort of gastrointestinal issue.
2: Well, that's what the one thing I was worried about is if I was stuck in that slide for that it's long. Oh, yeah. Oh, everybody poops. Right? If yeah, you would have hit, how do you explain that? Oh, sorry. There's, something ripped there's open so many, no.
1: There's so many different ways. I know. I've, I've blown I, your I, mind. I, haven't just, I? I have so many questions. And if
2: you would have just said that uh, I know. You, I yeah, Dan Graham one. was the greatest starter no, you've ever no, been around, we would have gone clean. down this road. No,
1: I probably just should have like thrown him under the bus.
2: You're right. Just make it up. Uh, the biggest defensive need for the Patriots, you know, earlier this week, we got to the offense. Let's get to the defense next.